0: today to open up your Bible to 1st Corinthians chapter 7 1st Corinthians chapter 7 we're going to finish this now and it's been now a while since we've been in 1st Corinthians this is the third week but we're finally going to finish it we're here Paul is talking to us about marriage about relationships. But he's also talking to us about singleness and the benefits of being single. I think it's an amazing uh, topic for us to talk about is because even at this retreat, I remember Saturday, Friday night when we prayed, if you want to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, come forward. And all these you know, men came forward. But then when we prayed, if you want the Lord to touch your marriage, uh, that's when everybody went forward. Because we know that God needs to touch our marriages. And, and one of the things that's interesting here about 1 Corinthians 7, we've learned now what it is to be content in, in whichever state that we're in. We learn what it means to be still in whichever season we're in. We're learning what it means to be determined to put God first. And that nothing must be allowed to make us neglect or make us delay or be anything less than our best in our service for God. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, it said, "...you were bought with a price, and do not become a slaves to man." Because when you were purchased with that price, you know what that means? That you belong to God. And as you belong to God, your mind, your body, your soul, and your spirit all belong to Him with the purpose of glorifying Him. And I want to tell you something when we talk about marriage and relationships and everything that encompasses that and singleness as well is that your first ministry, and I want you to pay attention closely because I think we mix it up a lot. He's going to define that today. Your first ministry, your first ministry, if you want to write this down, your first ministry is to please God. Your first ministry is to please God. And He's going to explain that to us today. And He's going to also tell us that we ought to use every season in life, every season in life to glorify God, because your first ministry is to please God. In Ecclesiastic Solomon tells us, chapter 3, verse 11, he says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time. And because He's made everything beautiful in its time, that means that God has a purpose for every season of your life. He has a special time for every season of your life. Whether you're single, married, widowed, or now divorced, whatever it is, God wants to use your life today, right now. I titled this message, Serve the Lord Without Distraction. Serve the Lord Without Distraction. Don't we live today in a very distracted, dominated culture? You see people that are now a family completely walking around. And you see there with with the the, the dad is on, you know, walking with their little dog. And and, and the dad is on the phone texting. And the mom is on the phone texting. And the little kid is on the phone texting. And the dog is on the phone texting. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But everyone is so distracted now. Everyone is dominated by distractions going and happening all around us. And he's saying here, whatever platform and see, then God called you in. You ought to serve the Lord without distraction because time is short. Because time is short. And he's going to address the the singles and the widows. But in that, he's also going to address the married. And I think it's important that we know that we ought to serve the Lord without distraction. I've known many people and it's sad that they can't serve the Lord because they're married. I, I just don't get it. That one person wants to serve the Lord, but the other person wants to hold that person back. No, you can't serve the Lord. Because we, this is the way we ought to do our family, and they're both Christian. That's not the way God intended it to be. Paul is going to encourage and exhort now, both men and women, that you ought to serve the Lord without any distractions. And if there's any distractions taking place right now in your life, ask the Lord, Lord, show me, open up my eyes and my heart, because I want to serve you with zero distractions. I want to be focused in what you've called me. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 25, now we pick up. And it says, Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, or singles, he would hear me mean that. And it says this, I give judgment as one whom the Lord is in His mercy has made trustworthy. This is coming from a trustworthy, anointed now man now, that God has given him this encouragement that he ought to share with the church, both the single now and the widowed, but in that there is a message to the married as well. And I want you to know, it says here verse 26, I suppose therefore that this is good because of the present distress... That it is good for a man to remain as he is because of the present distress. Because of the way we look at the world and we see how hard the world is. And the distress and the local persecution that was taking place in Corinth at the time. It is good for a man to remain as he is or single. Verse 27. Are you bound to a wife? Are you married? Do not seek. And I want you to know here. Because he's going to say do not seek a few times. And we want to look to what not to seek. And we want to also look for what to seek. But it says here in verse 27, Do not seek to be loose; Do not seek to be divorced if you're married. And are you loose from a wife? Do not seek a wife. Not even if you do marry, you have not sinned. It's not bad to get married, just to know that. There's no guilt trip in it as well. It says it as well. And it says, and if a virgin marries or a single person marries, she has not sinned, nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh. But I would spare you. Let's pray. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would teach us, whether we're single, we're married, God. Lord, whatever situation that we're in right now, that we would consider to serve you. And that we would determine to serve you with zero distractions. Whether we're single, we want to use it as a tool to glorify you. And if we're married, we want to use it as a platform to glorify you. In Jesus' name, together we said, Amen. So now He's talking here, the single and the widowed, and He's giving them principles. And the principles that He's giving them, He's saying, I want you to look before you leap. I want you to consider. I want you to consider these into account. And I'm going to answer these questions for those of you that believe that, that you should not marry because it's a sin. Let me tell you, it's not a sin. And if those that are married that think that they need to get now divorced so they can serve the Lord, no, that's that, you should not do that either. But in fact, He's giving them a trusted account and wisdom because of the mercy that God has given him now to give godly counsel. We need godly counsel today because of the crisis, because of the situation, because of the world that's taking place. We need to go to the Word of God for godly counsel. And it says now in verse 26 here, I suppose, therefore, because of the mercy of God, because of the counsel that I'm giving you, that you would stay in the situation that you are in today. And I suppose, therefore, that it is good. It's not bad. It's good because of the present distress, because of the current circumstances, because of the way the world is going, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. You see, stop trying to move quickly out of your situation. In fact, consider everything before you enter into that next place in life. Consider all factors. He wants you to take into consideration so that you never enter something outside of the will of God. You see, when you enter a relationship, when you enter into a work venture, when you you take your family into this next place and it's outside of the will of God, then you're going to suffer. Even if you're a Christian man and you're married and you want to take your family to this new direction, if it's outside of the will of God, your family is going to suffer. If you're single and you're, you're looking to enter into a relationship or, or whatever it is, enter in by the will of God, not by the will of man. And He's telling you, slow down a little bit and consider these things and count the costs and consider what's going to take place and come about this. Verse 27 now, Are you bound to a wife? Are you married? Do not seek to be loose don 't think that you know what i if I would, if I just didn 't have this wife, God would be using me at a higher capacity no that 's a mistake because God wants to use you and your wife today, and God maybe wants you to lead even in the circumstance that you 're in. I love how it says if you are bound if you' are married don 't seek to be loose. Just slow down don 't think that you need to get divorced so that you can serve God. you know there 's so many mistakes when men make that error. Where they say, you know what, God wants to use me at a higher capacity, so I need to get a woman that has now that vision. No, you made that commitment, now stay and fulfill that commitment. Fulfill the commitment that you made before the Lord. And it says, are you loose from a wife now? Are you loose from a wife? Do you Are you single now? Maybe you were married at a certain point. But for whatever circumstances in your past, you know, you no longer are married, do not seek a wife. Just be still, just be content. Understand why He's giving you this counsel now in verse 27. Because now in verse 28, it says, but even if you do marry, it says, you have not sinned. But even if you are married, it's not a sin. And if a virgin or a single marriage, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh. And I would spare you. I want to read this verse to you now. In the New Living Translation, because He's giving us, there's a why behind the what. What is the reason why He's telling you, if you're not married, don't seek to be married? What's the reason why He's saying, if, 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 uh, if you are married, don't seek to be divorced? The New Living Translation reads this verse 28, it says, but if you do get married, it's not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles, and I'm trying to spare you these problems problems, you see it, it is tougher now today than be mar- the, to be married than it ever has been and because the days are getting more evil and evil and there's more distraction and there's more lust and there's more worry in this life, it is hard to get married he says, you know, I, I kind of want to avoid you the pain, however God's called you to that, then go for it because it is God's blessing and he's giving us this advice, this encouragement this counsel, that marriage is a blessing, I want you to know that marriage is a blessing But He also wants to tell you that singleness has its advantages. And if you're single, know that there are benefits to your singleness. That singleness has its advantages, especially in the days that we live in. So if you're single today, know that there are some advantages that you have that once you get married, you will never have again. Because once you get married, now those uh, privileges that you had before, they no longer exist. Because you have other external and other outside responsibilities to fulfill to your wife and to your family and to your children. So he's saying marriage is a blessing, but understand also the other perspective that there are advantages in being single. And in verse 29, But I say, by this I say, brethren, that time is short. I want you to know, go ahead and underline that time is short. You know, we know that the time move forward, spring forward, this this last night, right? Into this morning. And because of that, maybe sometimes you woke up today and you found out, man, the time changed now. And the the church is starting, the service is starting, uh, you know, in moments that, that you weren't ready for. And every time time changes, every time time goes forward, we're losing time and there should be more urgency. You see, He tells us what time it is because now when you know the time it should make you more effective and you should make good use of your time are you making good use of your time we're so easily able to in this distracted dominated culture to waste time to make bad use of time you see everyone here has one thing in common that we have 24 hours in one day nobody gets more than 24 hours I don't care who you are, how old you are, young you are, everyone has 24 hours, and it is up to you to make good use of those 24 hours. And now he's going to tell us, because the time is short, and that word short comes from the Greek word sestelo, Sustelo, which means contracted or rolled up from a, now sails on a ship, because they're getting close to the harbor in the bay. When a ship is traveling now, right? And you knew that they were getting close to the harbor and the bay, they would start to sestello. They would start to roll up or contract now the sails because they were coming into the harbor. You know, that's pretty close. That is close enough to start making changes now towards the direction of your destiny. Are you making the necessary changes towards the direction of your destiny where you are now putting up the sails of the ship because you're going into that harbor and Jesus is coming soon just like we sang it. We're also living like it. You see, if you knew Jesus was coming tomorrow at 3 p.m., I know that for sure there would be some of you that if you knew He was coming tomorrow at 3 p.m., you would leave and start to make some changes today. <laughs> and you start to tell people He's coming at 3 p.m. tomorrow. you will do everything in your power. To, to not be distracted because tomorrow you have an appointment with Jesus. Well, see, see he tells us here now in verse 29, but I said to his brethren that time is short, so that from now on, from now on, from today moving forward, from right now, right now, the moment that you're reading, from now on, from this time and moving forward, make good use of your time and be this effective. Be effective, it says, from now on, even those who have wives should be as they had none. And you guys, husband, look at honey, you see that? You look you see what It says? I can do anything I want to do. No, that's not what it says. It's talking about having an eternal perspective. You see, he's saying be effective with your time, be wise, maximize your time, be urgent with your time, and look what it says here, focus on eternal things. As if even, almost as if you weren't married. You see, a lot of people say, well, you know I'm not going to serve because I'm going to serve my house. Absolutely, serve your house. God has you responsible of your home. That is the, the ministry of the home. But it doesn't stop in the home. I want you to know that it does not stop in the home. It goes much further than the home. And it says to this now, be as though they had none. You know what he's trying to tell now here the men and the women alike? That we ought to serve with freedom We ought to serve with the energy, and we ought to serve with availability. I want to give you those three words, and if you like taking notes, that you would write it down. That you ought to serve with freedom, you ought to serve with energy, and you ought to serve, number three, with availability. Freedom, energy, and availability. Are you using it? Because you are a short distance from the harbor. Because you are called now to to roll up the sails of the ship. Because you're coming in now to the final place of your destiny. And that's eternity. You see, when you're looking at the time in Romans 13, it tells us that it is high time to wake up out of sleep. To move now. And it says here, it's telling us in verse 29, if you're married, you ought to still serve with freedom. You ought to still serve with energy. You ought to still serve with availability. Don't let that limit you. In fact, use your marriage as a tool. Use your marriage as a platform. And He's talking to the Christians, now telling them this. And in verse 30, those who weep as though did, they did not weep, don't dwell on it. If maybe you're mourning, maybe you're going through a certain situation, and it says those that are weeping, they shouldn't live like if, if they, as they are weeping. You know, sometimes we get so stuck in the past because it's something that took place that we we're mourning and mourning and we don't never want to move out of that situation. It says, no, move forward now. Because God wants to use your life. Rejoice. Don't get caught up in the things that are temporary in this world. I mean, I've met some people that maybe, you know, years and years and years ago, they lost a loved one, maybe a husband or a wife, and they've never moved out of that. And because of that, they're not able to serve with freedom. They're not able to serve with... Energy And they're not able to serve with availability. It says verse 30. Those who rejoice as they did not rejoice. You know what he's saying? Because weeping and rejoice is talking about feelings. I don't want you to get caught up in feelings. I want you to know what time it is. Don't get caught up in feelings. Get caught up in what time it is. Understand it says. And those who would buy as though they did not possess. God has blessed each and every one of us with so much. He's maybe blessed you with finances. Maybe He's blessed you with a home. Maybe He's blessed you with, uh, you know, just a job or a leadership position. Maybe He's blessed you now with certain possessions. And that's okay, because He's blessed you. But He says, if you buy, don't get so attached. Do not become so absorbed. Do not become so dominated by those things that you cannot serve God. God blessed you with a house. Don't become dominated with it that you cannot serve God with because of the house. God served you with finances. Don't become so dominated with finances that you cannot serve God. God bless you with a business. Don't become so dominated that you can't serve God anymore. Those who rejoice as they did not rejoice. Those who weep as though they did not weep. And those who bought as if they did not possess. Why? Because He's telling us do not be absorbed with the things of this world. Do not love this world so much. Be so caught up in love with this world. That you can't serve God. Think about the end times. Think about the times. We can't afford to waste time. We can't afford to be consumed and in love so much with the things around us. That we can't think of heavenly things. Because you know what happens when you are just living in that, that those feelings? When you're, you're dominated by your possessions? That you set your mind on things below. And you don't set your mind on things above. What is filling your mind? When was the last time you thought about heaven? When was the last time you thought about Jesus is coming soon? When was the last time you said, I'm running out of time, so I need to invite that person to church? I'm running out of time, so I need to pray more. I need to ask God to make a real change in my life because I'm setting my mind, my goals, my visions, my aspirations on things that are above and not that are things that are below. Have you ever put something on your calendar and you just cannot wait? You're counting down for that climatic event that's going to take place. Man, you cannot wait. The days are getting, you know, sooner and sooner. In one more day, in one week, you cannot wait now. God, you know, that day cannot come any sooner. Do you think about that? That same urgency? With that same now interest when it comes to Jesus coming soon? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 3, Paul tells the church this, this is so important. He says, if then you were raised with Christ, if you said you've been born again, that Christ died for you, and that He rose again, and you rose again from being dead to your sin, then seek those things which are above. It says, first we learn in 1 Corinthians, one not to seek, but now we're learning what to seek. Seek the things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, at the place of authority Christ is in heaven. Are you seeking heavenly things right now? Is that part of your maybe goals and aspirations and visions in life that I'm saying, you know what? Everything that I want to plan for next year or even for the end of this year or even for next week. I want it to be centered on giving God the glory and centered on above. And then it says now in verse 2, set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Where do you set your minds of? On things above? Are you thinking about things in your mind? Are they consuming you? The things above or the things below? Because what consumes your mind will eventually distract you from what's taking place now. And then it says, for you, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You died. You died. That means that God deserves your attention. Does God have your attention? Does God have your attention? Does He fill your mind? The space of your mind? The space of your time? Does He fill your attention? Has somebody ever told you, you know what, I need you to stop that because I want your undivided attention? that's, that's That's powerful. Undivided. That means that our attention is not divided anymore. That means that our attention is single, now focused in one area, in one perspective, in one place. And that's how God wants your mind. He wants your undivided attention. Verse 31, it says, And those who use this world, use the world while you're living in it. Yes, make wise investments. Yes, use the talents and the gifts that God has given you. Yes, move forward with, the, with maybe that, that, that position and that place that God has given you. Absolutely, use the world. Use everything, but be a good steward, it says. Use it and don't misuse it. <laughs> you know, I love that. Use it, but don't misuse it. Use it, but don't abuse it. And it's so important. Because how many times have we misused the world? God gives us a talent and then we misuse it. We become so absorbed with this talent that guess what? We don't have time for God. God gives us and blesses us with maybe a home and we misuse that home instead of saying, Lord, this is a tool for you. God blesses us with a finance or with a business or, or with, with a certain availability and time or, or, or resource and now we are misusing these things because we've become attached to the things of this world. And in verse 31, He's going to tell us, don't misuse that thing. God has put something in your life. I want you to know this. God has put something in your life. Are you using it the right way? Or are you misusing it? How many times have you got yourself in trouble because you misused something that God gave you? That you turned a blessing into a burden. That you turned a blessing into a curse. Because that blessing that was intended in your life to, to bless your life actually serve as a curse in your home. Think about what he's saying here. Don't misuse it. For the form of this world, everything in this world, it's just passing away. Understand, everything that is here, that God has blessed you with, it is temporary. It is temporary. It's passing away. It's going to come to an end. I think that's the best way of thinking about it. Lord, thank you because you blessed me with this, but I know one day this is going to come to an end. And therefore, I'm not going to get attached to it. God, thank You for this building You've given us as a church. But I know one day for sure that we're not going to be in this building forever. Yeah. So we're not going to get attached to it. <laughs> Lord, thank You for our house. But we're now, it's, one day that's going to come to an end. And because it's going to come to an end, I do not let that have a dominate, uh, dominate my life. Because I'm not called to live for this world. I'm called to live for the Lord. You see, our roots in our life should go deep in God's Word. We should not go deep in this world. Sometimes we let our roots grow deep in the world, instead of our roots grow deep in the Word of God. And when our roots grow deep in the Word of God, we know that time is short, and because of that, it demands urgency. I love what one of the pastors in, uh, on Friday morning shared when it comes to urgency. He says that God doesn't want obedience. God wants instant obedience. Isn't that amazing, instant obedience? Because instant obedience will save your life. And he was talking about how, you know, there was a story about a man that was out in war, and he said, you know, his commanding officer was going out forward with him, and his commanding officer, out of nowhere, he told him, down! And he just went down immediately. And after that, he, he was able to, to see the, the, the rounds and the bullets go right past his face. He heard the sound. And it was almost like he, he, he felt the wind of the bullets that was going down, going across his face. Because that's what instant obedience does. It saves your life. How many times has God told you to do something and you said, you know what, I'll just put it off till later. And then in the process of doing that, you get hurt. You get hurt. Time is short. It demands urgency that your walk would be on fire. And I want you to know this. He's not telling you to neglect your family. But He's telling you to live with an eye on eternity. Don't neglect your responsibilities, but live with an eye on eternity. Yes, I love my family. Yes, I love my wife. Yes, I love my children. But I love God first, and I love God more. And I want you guys to know that. Because we have to have that perspective. I love God first and I love God more with anything in life. And here specifically he's talking about relationships because even our marriage is temporary. Even our marriage is temporary because soon we're going to be caught up with the Lord. Guess what? We're going to be one big family. And it's not going to be about who is married, who is single. It's going to be, we're just worshiping the Lord. Everything is passing. So don't get caught up in your feelings. You see, the Lord is coming soon. What does that mean? That the opportunity to serve Him very brief the Lord is coming soon so the opportunity to serve him is very brief now the opportunity to serve the Lord is very brief that means that we should say sign me up to serve God because the opportunity is brief and maybe one day I won't have that opportunity anymore and I want to make the best use of time in Matthew 24 verse 44 it says therefore you also be ready For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you don't expect. We don't talk about this enough at the church where the Son of Man is coming at the hour that you don't expect. You might not expect Him to come and that's exactly when He will come. Are you ready? And when He comes, what will He find you doing? What will He find you doing? Will He find you busy about His business? Will you occupy until He comes? Isn't that what the Bible says? Jesus said, occupy until I come. Be busy about my business until I come. Be busy about his business until he comes. Be busy about his business until he comes. And in verse 32, it says here, don't misuse the world. It's passing away. It is temporary. It's going to come to an end. Remember that. So live with an eye on eternity. But I want you to be without care. I don't want you to be concerned. Because your primary focus is to please God. And you should be carefree of the concerns of this life. Carefree. Sometimes we're so consumed. Like, I don't know how much money I'm going to make by next year. And we start to make so much money because we have a certain goal. And then the year goes by. And guess what happens? We don't serve the Lord. And it says in verse 32. Here it says, I want you to be without care that he who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord and how he may please the Lord. Number one, think about the perspective of that person that is single. Verse 32 says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life because the unmarried person can spend time doing the Lord's work and thinking about how He's gonna please Him. When you're unmarried, you have have the availability, the freedom and the energy to think about how you're going to please God. You can spend your time doing that. And look what he says now, he's gonna define this. But he who is married, what does he do? He cares about the things of this world and how He may please His wife. You see, this is okay. I mean, this is okay. This is the truth. When you're married, what do you think about? You're thinking about, you have responsibilities. Your wife, your family. And you have to fulfill those responsibilities. When you're single, you have the opportunity, you have the value and the benefit, the privilege, to expand your horizons and say, you know what? I can just spend my time maximizing this moment right now, and how I can serve the Lord, because I don't have those extra responsibilities. When you're married, you have to say, you know what? I have to, you know, take care of these responsibilities and I have to serve the Lord. And it's, you know, I want us to stop and really talk about this as well. Because as you're married, you ought to be concerned about your wife. But it should never be something that stops you from serving the Lord. And this is important to say because, I mean, there's so many married persons that say, you know, I I cannot serve the Lord because I, I just have to be always with my wife. And and you do. You have to make sure you spend time with your wife. You have to make sure you're taking care of the responsibilities at home. But that should never be an excuse on why you can't serve the Lord. Don't ever use your marriage as an excuse on why you can't serve God. In fact, your marriage should be a reason why you want to serve God. Your marriage should be a reason why you want to bring your wife into the church more. Your marriage should be a reason why you want to go out and step out in faith. And not the wife or the husband should be holding one another back. shouldn't be holding another because you know what you do you regress and you put a lid and a limit on what god wants to do with your marriage you see singleness is an opportunity that you're going to have one time and then after that it's over verse 34 there's a difference between a wife and and a virgin or those that are single the unmarried woman cares about the things of the lord that she may be holy look at what the unmarried person does that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. Those that are unmarried want to just, you know, serve the Lord in body and spirit. But he who is married cares about the things of this world and how many please her husband. Not talking about the wife here. He says, well, you're unmarried, your attention is, is a little bit divided. And, you, and those that are single are set apart and everything they want to devote themselves to. When you're married, what happens? Oh, I can't serve the Lord like I used to because I have to go home. No, you have to say, you know what, I do need to take responsibility of those things that are taking place at home. But I love God first and I love God more. So I'm going to set the tone and the pace. And me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Right? They're going to serve the Lord. And it says now in that verse 34, I want to read to you in the New Living Translation. Because it says, His interests are divided. In the same way a woman who's no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord wholly in body and spirit, but a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities on how she may please her husband. So what is he telling now to those that are single? Take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Maximize that time, because you're not going to get that time again. And if you're married, still use it. With an interest that everything in that center of that interest, God would get the glory. Verse 35, and I say this for your own profit. Now, with some of us that feel a little uncomfortable with this message, like Paul doesn't know what he's talking about, you know. He wasn't even married. <laughs> you know, he say this for your own profit. He says this for your advantage. He says this for your advantage. You want an advantage? Sometimes we want an advantage in life. Here's your advantage right here. I'm saying this with your best interest in mind, thinking about you. Not because I want to be legalistic. Not because I want to put restrictions on you. Not because I, wanna, I need to have you at church more. Not because of that. Verse 35, look what it says here. Not that I may put a leash on you. It's not that. It's not that. That's not what the message which is about. So don't leave thinking, oh, they just want us at church more. It's not because of that. He says, but for what is proper. There's something that's proper and there's something that's improper. Improper is saying that your life is so filled with distractions that you can't put God first. And it says, for what is proper that you may serve the Lord without distractions. That you may serve the Lord without distractions. Do whatever helps you serve God best. If married being married helps you serve our guys, then, then, then use your marriage marriage to serve God best if you being single you know right now I'm just I just love it because this is the best way that I can serve God there is as fewest distractions as possible then this is amazing and I'm going to maximize this season because maybe I don't I'm not gonna have this season any longer but it says serve the Lord without distractions and it's not only a spouse it can also be something else we already talked about it it can be feelings it can be a season it can be possessions but think about this, how effective can you be for the Lord if you're distracted? How loyal can you be to God if you're distracted? How loyal can you be to God if you're distracted? How effective, what kind of results will you bring up to the altar of the Lord? If you're distracted, they're not going to be the same. You see, marriage is, not a, is a tool. Marriage is not a distraction. Marriage is a tool, it's not a distraction. We're called to support one another, to raise up one another's arms in leadership And Paul's judgment, his personal opinion was it's easier to achieve the purpose of glorifying God single. So he's good with that. (laughs) But it's important as you're married. I want you to know this. That you share the same values. That you share the same visions. And you share the same goals. Where the interests of each other never crowd out the interest of God. Because you think about sometimes how the interest of each other can crowd out the interest of God. And your marriage no longer is about the Lord. It's about you. That's why you have to keep Christ the center interest. What is the center interest right now? Especially for those that are not married and even those that are. What is the center interest? Is it to glorify God or is it, I, we need to get this in my marriage. I need to get this in my marriage. If I get this in my marriage, my marriage will get so much better. Why don't you make Christ the center interest and then everything else is going to get better. Because He's the core of everything that's taking place. Today ask yourself, am I distracted or am I devoted? Am I distracted or am I devoted? I, I, I think about that story in Luke chapter 10 verse 41 where Jesus went to Mary and Martha's house, right? And, and, and Mary was, was, was there just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Just, just, she could not believe Jesus was at her house. <laughs> she was just like, oh my God, Jesus is at my house. I just want to hear everything He says. I don't care about the house right now. Jesus is here. He's number one. If Jesus is in your house, do you care more about Jesus or do you care more about the house? <laughs> You know, I love it. Thank you. Because sometimes we care more about the house than the fact that Jesus is in here. Sometimes we care more about our spouse than the fact that Jesus is in here. What's first? You see, Martha was so troubled and worried She said, "Oh I have all these errors that I have to do in my house. My house is not in order. My house this, my house that. And you know what? She even starts to complain to Jesus. Because when your eyes are not on Jesus, you start to complain to Jesus. And you start to just talk to him and complain. And it says this Jesus answered and said to to Martha, 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 not only one time, Martha, 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 you're worried and you're troubled about many things. Is God telling you that today? You're worried too much. You're anxious too much about way too many things. But one thing is needed. He didn't say many things, he didn't say five things or seven things or, or, or 15 things that you have on your to do list. One thing is needed. Your number one to-do list here it is it says one thing is needed in mary she's chosen the good part and it'll never be taken away from her what was it that mary wasn't distracted that mary said my relationship with god is never going to be in second place is your relationship with god in second place because of something else is it in third place where is your relationship with god today Verse 36 here, it would say now, as we quickly come to an end, but if any man thinks that he is behaving improperly towards his virgin or his fiance now, if you think that you can't hold that passion and, and you know, you're, you're, you're engaged and you can't just, you, know, you can't hold it now, right? The desire to be intimate with your spouse or your, your future spouse that you're engaged to here, if she has passed the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes, and he does not sin, let them marry. See, back then they were arranged in marriage. So when they were little kids, they knew they were going to get married. They're in the playground. They said, hey, he's going to be my husband. That's what my parents said. So he's saying, you know what, if you, can't, if you know that you're at that time where you know, it's time to get married, and it, and, and it is time in their life too, as far as the, the, the gal now, then marry then so that you won't step into sin. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfastly in his heart, however, if you're in your heart, you're strong, you have enough power over your will. To say, you know what, I can wait. I don't need to get married right now. If you're single right now, and you say, you know what, I can wait. I don't need to get married. I can wait. I'm good. Because I can serve the Lord without distraction. I'm good right now. It says here, having no necessity. It says here, but has power over His own will. He has so determined in His heart that He will keep His virgin does well. He says, you know what, I, I just don't need to get married. Right I'm, I'm okay. Then He does well as well. Right? So then he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does even better. (laughs) Look what he's saying here in verse 38. And it really he gives a comparison between being single and married. And he says, it's not between good and bad, it's between better and best. Right? It's not between good and bad, it's between better and best. What is better for me right now? What is best for me right now? What what does God want to use me in right now? Am I rushing into something that is going to distract me instead of devote me? If this is going to devote me, if this is going to make me more loyal, then I want it because I don't want to be divided. I want everything that God has for me, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a business, whether it's an education, whether it's finances, whether it's talents, whether it's resources, to still keep my attention whole to the Lord and it would not be divided. And verse 39 says, a wife is bound by a law. Now it's talking here. As long as her husband lives, a wife, she is bound by the law. She's bound by now the commitment that she made with before the Lord to her husband, she's bound. That's the commitment she made. Regardless of what she makes. Right? What it, regardless of what she does. If there's two Christians and they decide to get divorced, two Christians that decide to get divorced, I don't care what the law says, the Bible says, in God's eyes, they're still married. Because they're two believers. And I'm gonna tell you this, and if there are two Christians that decide to get divorced, you have to back up and say, are they Christian? Because they, they would have not decided to get divorced. You need to recommit your life to God. Because we want to do what honors God. And it says a wife to be bound as long as the husband lives. And if her husband dies, she's at liberty to be married to whom she wishes. If she dies, if this person is a widow now, and she wishes to get remarried, so be it. To her, Lord bless her heart. She can do it. However, only in the Lord. She can't say, you know what, I'm going to go find myself a man now, like the one I used to have. No, it's only in the Lord. That's why right, whether you're stepping into a relation, whatever you're going to do, you want to do it as long as it's in the Lord. If it's not in the Lord, then you don't want to do it. You do not want to do it if it's not in the Lord. If you want to do it outside of the Lord, you're going to suffer, He's telling us. If you're, you're single right now, you were married at one time, and, and the Lord has made you put that desire in your heart to be married again, then praise God, that, that's a good desire. However, it has to be in the Lord, because if it's not, you're going to suffer. And it says here, verse 40, but if she's happier... But she is happier if she remains as she is according to my judgment. He says, you know what? I'm telling you. You know, he's telling now Paul to that widow now. As an example, he says, you know what? You want to get married, get married as long as in the Lord. But I believe that you'll be happier just like that. Because you won't get distracted. Don't even seek to get married. If you're a widow, you've already been married. You've already experienced that life. Man, you'll be how much happier, he said, if you did not get married. And I think I also have the Spirit of God. You know what he's saying? I'm saying this in the Spirit of God. Why? Because he's saying, I just want you to be in the position where it's more useful for you to serve God. Be in the position where it's more useful to serve God. Don't try to get into another position because of your feelings, because of your emotions. This is not a spirit anointed man that is saying, you know what, it is more useful for us to serve God. I want to remain in the will of God. And I do not want to enter anything, you don't want to enter anything outside of the will of God. Because you will get distracted. Any season you're in life, that you're in life right now, make sure that you're focused. You're focused. You're focused. If I'm married, me and my wife, we're going to take care of business at home. Because we're going to take care of business at home because we do, we do want to serve the Lord. And if I'm single, then I'm going to keep myself pure for the Lord because I want to serve the Lord without distractions. It told us what not to seek. Matthew 6 verse 33 tells us what to seek. And it says, but seek first. Don't seek second. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things, everything you've ever wanted, shall be added unto you. You see, we, we, we have desires in our heart and, and they are good. God has given us godly desires. God has given us some desires to enjoy our relationships and our marriage and our, and, and our children. But first seek the kingdom of God and every, he'll, he'll go ahead and add everything on. He'll add everything on. He'll start to make those additions. He'll start to make those additions. But keep God up first. When you want the addition before Jesus, it doesn't work that way. We need to have Jesus before the addition. Jesus is not the addition. He's the main chorus. He's the main thing. And we ought to keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is Jesus and His Word. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank You, God, because Your Word is so amazing. And we ask right now, Lord, if there is anyone anyone here, Lord, that is struggling with distractions, Lord, that maybe we have a husband or there is a, a wife or a husband in here who is limiting the growth of the spouse, Lord, that we pray for that husband or that wife. That that person, husband or wife, would have that zeal and come to know Jesus so that the other person would not be limited, Lord, in their capacity. And maybe there are two believers. That they would put you first. And I pray for the single people, Lord. And Lord, that you would also teach them to maximize and take advantage of it, Lord. Because they'll never have, to have that again. And I ask, Lord, that you would allow us to know this. That whether we are single, we're married, we have possessions, we're in any season in life, those are things that are going to come to an end. And time is short. And we want to make good use of it. Lord, help